Welcome to the one within all back to another episode of Interverse. Uh, it's me, your host, Chance. And today we are talking with Dan Shukas from the Cosmic Keys podcast. Dan's the man. And I've had a recent conversation with him on his show that may be out by the time this one comes out, roughly soonish. So go give them a sub. And uh, I say them, it, they used to have co hosts, but uh, <laughs> I still say we a lot. <laughs> I say we out. about myself sometimes. It's weird. But yeah, it's just Dan now, which is cool because uh, he gets to forge his own path. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. It came up in our conversation on Cosmic Keys. He told me a, a, a little bit about what that's like uh, flying solo. I can relate in many ways. Uh, not, I mean, it, really, even with podcasting, I, I used to try to have a co-host way, way back in the day. But mm-hmm. so anyway, uh, Cosmic Keys is a show that... it blends occult ideas, magical concepts, uh, critical thinking, (laughs) and uh, looking at current events, all with a really deep knowledge of the sky clock and other spiritual modalities and practices and ways of knowing and being. So astrology is going to be on the menu for this conversation today, especially interested to pick Dan's brain about the great conjunction. It's like less than a month away and a lot of weird stuff happens when great conjunctions are in a year. And uh, we'll talk about that, maybe get a little bit of a 2021 astro forecast or whatever type of astro info that Dan's got uh, on his mind right now. But we're just going to roll with it. So make sure you give Dan a sub over at Cosmic Keys. We're also both on the fringe.fm, which is pretty sweet. Uh, you can go see a lot of neat, interesting, deep, esoteric, magical shows there too. So yeah. Uh, Follow him on Instagram as well. That's another good place to follow Dan. He puts up great astro updates there that you can get in little bite-sized chunks. And yeah, so we're ready to get this party started. Dan, welcome back to the show. Good to have you here, bro. Yeah, thanks for inviting me back, Chance. It's great to be here. Um, And thanks for that great intro too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not used to being introduced, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, I've been doing this new thing where I do the intros completely off the top of my head and my wordplay is downgraded, but my like stress level of having feeling like I need to prepare something really amazing and perfect is way down. So maybe I'll meet somewhere in the middle in the future. (laughs) Yeah, well, that was a good improv. Well done. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I actually was in improv speech in junior high. I crushed it. (laughs) Is that like that's like improv comedy style or like improv theater style? I mean, it's eighth grade, so it's not too serious, but they would just be like, okay, your topic is grass. You need to talk for five minutes about grass. Give a good speech. And they judge you kind of on like the, it's sort of like writing the essay, uh, intro, body paragraph, outro. And they're just like, how well did you put this together? It doesn't matter how much BS it is. But wow, what a weird tangent. Now you guys know why I do what I do. I just love to make shit up off the top of my head and ramble. (laughs) Hey, it's a, it's a good skill to have, especially in media. So there you go. Yeah, but dude, this is about you. We're going to talk about you. How, how have you been? Like, what's, what's on your mind these days? Uh, what, what's new? Any of that? Um, that's a good question. I th- over, like when I talk to people, like I moved from uh, Chicago to Colorado and I'm coming up on a year of being in Colorado and I live in Breckenridge, uh, which is like a ski town, tourist town. So we were hit really hard by the lockdowns. Um, like I lost my job in the spring when they did the first lockdown. And it's been kind of crazy ever since. So, yeah, it's been 
stressful. But when I talk to my friends in Chicago who have it so much worse and it's even more oppressive there, I'm, I'm at the end of the day, I can't, I keep saying I can't complain. So yeah, things aren't perfect, but I'm still like really grateful for where I'm at, I guess. But yeah, it's hard because there's a lot of, um, there's, I'm, I'm not as, as like, I don't feel good about what I see in the mainstream or just in the grocery store. <laughs> and that, that can be a bummer, but I am, I, I feel lucky and I'm trying to stay as positive as possible while still being open to like the reality that so much is so much fuckery is going on this year. Yeah, that's really the name of the year. It's just fuckery 2020. Yeah. <laughs> it's harsh. It's harsh out there to like be in a zombie apocalypse. So everyone with their corporate veil covering their divine spirit. I mean, the breath is the spirit. That's what we're covering here. And it's we're in this weird infopocalypse where it no longer matters if you can actually find supporting evidence that's quote unquote scientific to explain why you think what you think because everyone else has got whatever they need for ammunition or they just don't care. And so there's like conflicting data and just mainly though, just like deep apathy and attachment to the identity side of politics. And that has radicalized things way faster than I ever thought could happen in this country. But here we are. Yeah, it's definitely like psychological and I'd consider it big picture social engineering and psychological warfare. Um, and it's, it's just really bizarre because it is a year where like all the conspiracies came true and still when you see people that are really blue pilled about this, it's just like, <laughs> if we, when I'm talking to people that are like that, I'm just like, it's, it's like staring into a void and I'm talking to them sometimes just because like reality, we're living in two different realities. One where you're kind of red pilled quote unquote, or where I'd say you're blue pilled. And that's, I mean, let's be real. It, in, terms of like partisan politics it is kind of in alignment with like the republican democrat duality which i never would expect and i don't like it at all but you know it's just weird how like the the, the red pill phrasing from that movie the matrix <laughs> it's really ringing true and it's like you realize how many people would take the blue pill openly and i think everybody that is sort of like just give me the vaccine, just wear the mask, just comply. That is like a blue pill. I'm sorry. Like it's, it's going along with the narrative to make it easier on yourself to deal with, but I'd rather deal with the truth and what's really going on. So it's hard. <laughs> with eyes unclouded by fear would be the best possible way to look at things. And yeah, believing the narrative, the blue pill, the blue states, they seem to go hand in hand, mm -hmm. the blue regions and the blue pilling. It's kind of, I mean, there's a reason for that. And I find that interesting. I, I believe that both parties are, you know, obviously have two wings of the same bird. We're not going to solve anything by deciding, being you like, well, we're going to be Republicans now. 
<laughs> Ironically, yeah. I found out that the Republican Party is actually a member of the International Democratic, uh, what is it, some association of some kind, like of various parties of different nations that are like more center left than anything. And so anyway, Republicans are Democrats, Democrats are Republicans. But in terms of the narrative of the red versus blue in like this election year, it's it's interesting because blue is representative of the feminine, which in the esoteric, this has nothing to do with men and women, but in the esoteric, the idea of femininity is receptivity and passivity, whereas the red side, the masculine side is active, it, acting out into the world, you know, acting in will upon the world. Whereas th- that this really is the difference here is like the, the blue pill narrative here is the thing that like the people that are super... I wouldn't say anyone's super pro Biden, but the people that are super anti Trump and therefore accept Biden somehow as like somehow that's better. <laughs> they, yeah. they are also they're like receiving, you know, the the propaganda. They're the they're the receptive side. They've been feminized. And I don't mean that like as in femininity is a bad thing. We all have masculine and feminine sides. But if you're just completely polarized into being totally feminized, that means you're sort of moldable, controllable. And anyway, I look at the Republican and Democrat parties as like the Democrats are the ones with mommy abandonment issues and they want like a nurturer, care for you, tell you everything you need to do, dress you, you know. And then the Republican side, they have like the daddy abandonment issues. So they just want a protector, but also someone who stays out of their business. They want justice or whatever that they see it as. Like it kind of looks more like vengeance a lot of the times, but. Anyway, this is kind of where we're at. People are tending towards being more hyper-feminized in their consciousness. Again, nothing to do with men and women. Everything to do with the esoteric idea of being imbalanced towards passivity and uh, moldability. Yeah, I I think you're right that um, things are like there is sort of a a war on masculinity, unfortunately, and um, it's directly related to Marxism. I mean, like all of these things are, their root is really in critical theory and um, the cultural Marxism that you see with like all this woke stuff. Like I understand the appeal and I understand the arguments and I understand the worldview, but I just don't think it's a true, I think it's a false reality and it's like a false reality cult. And they're all very cultish in um, their idea of like purity or their idea of um, morality and justice and virtue signaling and all that stuff is all related. And I mean, it was created in the 1940s by Marxists and they, they brought it through the universities. It got popularized by the prophet, the, the really radical professors in like the, 70s and 80s and then the millennials were all taught by these people and like i have a liberal arts degree i was in i i studied that stuff quote unquote and um was good at it <laughs> like i remember the, i remember the first time i wrote a good essay about like the proletariat and like how the ruling class is so evil was when i was in high school and it's like well, yeah, I was not in the real world at that point. I was a child, basically. And yet, 
high schoolers are make great Marxists because of that reason. They, it's all theoretical. It's all ideas. But um, now that we're facing like a massive loss of liberty with this virus situation, um, all those socialist and Marxist uh, brigades are kind of like um, getting more popular and the, their ideas are spreading more as a way to kind of compensate for all this chaos that this virus <laughs> brought, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, if you, if you're kind of more libertarian leaning, these are kind of scary times, I would say. Well, well yeah. I, I mean, it's like, it was going to happen somehow, some way at some point, what the government is going to just keep, like there's no giving back what government takes. We can look at where the country has gone since its inception and just know that, well, maybe we would stave it off and like not lose so many liberties so fast. But it seems like it's all ramping up in lockstep with the technological drip feed that we get of uh, supposedly like empowering new technologies that seem to chain us to them more and more and even restrict what we're able to do. I mean... I've been thinking like if digital currency becomes the only way that you can buy, sell, or trade, <laughs> you must have the mark. What are the Amish going to do about, you know, getting provisions that they can't get inside their communities or Mennonites, people like that who probably, you know, they don't get birth certificates, but they still have to deal with cash to some degree, I would think somewhere in their existence. And like, is that just going to be no longer an option for them, for people like that? Is that the end game to lock everything into the cloud? Like, I see this, and, you know, maybe you have thoughts on this, but I see it all as very age of Aquarius, dark side of the age of Aquarius stuff. Like, even the fact that these ideologies that people can only support conceptually, because if as soon as you bring their attention to any real world examples of these ideologies in play with Marxism, socialism, things like that. I mean, heads are rolling. Like, it's not, a, it's not a joke. This is a demonic thing. I mean, it is a plague on earth for the last hundred years. So many have died, but it's all like just in the air. It's just in the mind uh, as far as what drives people to follow these type of belief systems. It's mental constructs, which is very age of Aquarius. And even in this virus thing, it, Saturn's been in Aquarius at this point a lot this year, even retrograded, I think, at one point. And so that even sort of fits the idea of some invisible, malefic thing in the air that is, uh, you know, plaguing us, so to speak. That's that's a very Saturn and Aquarius type of thing, if you catch my drift. Yeah, I totally agree. And with everything you were saying, it made me think, too, of you know, the age of Aquarius. And when you were talking about um, the, the way in which like communism has murdered so many millions of people during the 20th century and into the 21st century. Um, and, you know, when you were talking about digital currency and being like having the mark of the beast and stuff, like a part of me I agree that I think that is like the dark side of, of the sign of Aquarius, but I think Aquarian themes are inevitable. So I am trying to 
re- rethink what that could look like in a positive way that honors liberty and sovereignty. Because that's the weird thing about the sign of Aquarius is it's like, I mean, a generic profile of an Aquarian is like, they are so unique and one of a kind. But the themes of the sign are, we're all in this together. And, you know, it's weird because I've rolled with real lefty people, like leftists um, (laughs) who are like socialists, Marxists, whatever. And I don't, like, I don't think they always have bad intentions. Like people that are into that, if you're in like the DIY art world, they will, they are about communal living. And that's cool. That's like kind of boots on the ground, grassroots, um, collaboration and, you know, pooling of resources and like living easily. So, and, and there are plenty of critiques of like the capitalist after effects, but the basic idea of like controlling capitalism so that the state controls all the resources. First of all, I mean, that comes from like such a different era when Karl Marx was around and to bring into the astrological themes and I know you wanted to talk about the the grand conjunction between like Saturn and Jupiter that's happening this December. We're entering a 200 year cycle where the uh, conjunctions are going to take place all in air signs. The previous 200 years, they were all taking place in earth signs. And the go-to um, way of explaining that for astrologers is like, this was the industrial era where physical things were being manufactured and shipped and moved around and we we're digging into the earth. This next era is going to be digital or at least information-based or intellect-based because the air element rules that. And people are like, there is going to, the, the, the basic theme of Aquarius is you as the unique individual connected to and in the, a piece of the larger whole. So that's not all negative. It's negative when you use the the old paradigm system of communism or socialism or anything like that, where if you don't consent to it, you're literally killed or put in a, a gulag or whatever. But the thing I'm thinking with this inevitable shift towards more tech and more kind of collectivism in, in a way is like, like when I said, when I was talking about these DIY arts people forming little like communes and stuff, I think, I think people can bring the collectivist or communal um, goal and use technology to live really alternative communal lifestyles in a way, but they have to like, you have to consent to that. It can't be because you were born in this country, like, like, like say if you were born in China, you are you are part of that gridlock system, whether you like it or not. But I think a better version of the Aquarian paradigm could be people having the resources to like connect with others or virtually connect or network. Because even what we're doing right now with this conversation, the only re- reason we can have it is because of these technologies like like this cool StreamYard site that you're using instead of Zoom. But like the the video chatting, the podcasting thing is super Aquarian in my opinion too. And 
even me and you, we're like kindred spirits and we're connecting over the internet. That's a good thing, I think. And the sharing of information is a good thing. Um, but so, yeah, I, I don't think it should, I don't want to be Amish, like n- not using the internet, not using technology, but I do want to push for like alternative systems that have nothing to do with government or like, I don't, so I want to have like a libertarian kind of um, techno like communalism that's consensual that you can choose your tribe or you can choose, you know, who you want to pool resources with. So you don't have to be a nine to five slave and you can live a more free life through the connections. But that, I mean, that, (laughs) that just kind of popped in my head as you were talking. So it's kind of a new idea, but yeah, I've been, I have been thinking about, you know, it's okay if you want to be a leftist. It's okay if you think that we, you, like communalism is better, but you have to form alternative groups or alternative systems that have nothing to do with nations or government and use technology and money and possibly like cryptocurrency and stuff to, you know, have that goal where nobody is left behind, where poverty can be kind of eliminated. But if you think that you can just do it by citizenship and stuff like that and governments, well, not everybody's going to agree with it. And people like me and probably people like you aren't going to stand for stuff like that. You know, like they it gridlock you into their system where I think the positive side of Aquarius could be forming alternative independent systems that have that kind of larger goal of, you know, not leaving anyone behind, not letting people starve, but also not for like stealing resources from people who don't necessarily agree with you. So, so yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, man, this gives me a lot to think about, but I find it interesting that the conjunctions, I'll just start here, have this pattern of 200 years in an earth sign, 200 years in an air sign. And in the last 200 years, what happened to the earth was that somebody laid claim to every damn inch of it, basically. Mm-hmm. A nation has claim to every part of the earth. So I, I agree that things like we need to do things from a voluntary standpoint. Uh, in fact, I also agree with you that the intentions of most people that are extreme leftists, they're mostly their heart is in the right place. I think there's a few really weird issues that completely counter other, other stances that the left has. Like, I don't know, I won't go there, but you know, there's certain keystone issues that I just can't believe that anybody supports uh, that are popular with people on the left. Just leave it at that. And the, the other problem that I have with, I mean, really at this point, as weird as it is uh, to have to say this out loud, but I mostly would rather be in communication with people that kind of lean right, at least online, you know, in real life, people I'm friends with already, and we don't need to have any kind of conversations about things we disagree about. That's another story, but man, online, I just see so much more vitriol from, uh, people that hate the orange man, then I see a lot of, I mean, not, not to say that there aren't people on the right that are, aren't throwing poop. I'm sure that there are a lot. I've seen some of that too. I mean, there's some very weird 
Nazi level alt-right stuff that I guess does exist as well. But my point is that the there's just like this weird militant hypocrisy about, about the left, where if they are supposed to be so all-inclusive and accepting of everyone, how come it's okay to like hate the guts of uh, certain groups of people, <laughs> but that you're all about protecting, you know, minorities and the underrepresented. So we're going to do that by shouting down other viewpoints and not allowing them to even speak. Uh, that's kind of what I see. It's just a lot of ah, la 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 fingers in your ears, like shouting uh, the same, same rhetoric, calling the other and accusing them of uh, being just as close-minded as you're being. So both sides, both sides, quit doing that shit. <laughs> Actually, just stop, just stop identifying with the party. That would probably be for the best. But it was so, okay, to go back to this like Saturn conjunction with Jupiter thing, Saturn is like discipline and time and order and rulership and Jupiter being expansion and abundance and sort of like just... I don't know, in a way, like a lot of freedom elements relate to Jupiter because it's kind of like um, it's got the sovereignty thing to it. But in those two things working together, like in this in this climate that we're moving into in the space weather, if you will, uh, what the, the other aspect of Aquarius has this freedom thing to it as well. It's like it's even been tied to Uranus since that planet was discovered and they're giving Uranus these qualities of being like all about freedom and and where what kind of freedom are we going to be looking for basically i see like you're saying you can look for the positive elements of the aquarian age or the negative you can i look kind of at both and the positive side is that maybe we can do this communal thing and have freedom to the best of our ability i mean unless governments completely go away we'll still have to figure out a way to be allowed to be on any particular land i mean that's how you know shit is in a really bad state that like if you wanted to revoke your citizenship and not be a part of any government and just be like, all right, I'm just a human being living on earth. I'm not part of any of these other things. Well, where are you going to go that you're not in some jurisdiction? And there's, there it is. Like there is no full freedom from this stuff right now, but the, the freedom, the negative side of freedom in this Aquarian age is like, do you want to just have the freedom to have no personal responsibility? Because that's what you'll get with the full-on total left version of society, which is at that point, the, like, the full-on extreme left is the same as the full-on extreme right. They both end up in totalitarianism, forms of dictatorship, forms of external control and loss of personal sovereignty and freedom. So are you going to get freedom from personal responsibility, freedom from freedom? Is that what you're asking for? Or are you going to try to build some other, use what voluntary capacity you have to build something else? And I always say that if we really did build communities that were thriving and functioning without a lot of the trappings of the current system, you know, like you help a guy build his barn and he gives you some produce and no one can tax that. That's to me, that's where we, that's how we win because even, even some hard hearted people and some jackbooted thugs might see that alternative way of living and go, you know what? That looks better. I think I'd rather do that. I don't think I want to play monopoly anymore. I think I'm just going to, I want to return to reality. <laughs> and that's, that's what I'm hoping for is like, 
the, that people don't, I know that probably the masses are still going to do this because that's just like the weird nature of crowd psychology. But I really hope a lot of people wake up to the fact that the real freedom that they've been chasing is freedom from freedom, freedom from responsibility, freedom from choice, deference to authority, the, the dark side of Saturn. The, that's, and that's it, man. Like, that's, that's what we need to find in ourselves. It's like, where are we trying to shirk that? Yeah, it's if if we're keeping it under the umbrella of Aquarius themes, I mean, even you brought up Uranus as being a modern ruler of Aquarius. Well, the traditional ruler is Saturn, and those two planets are pretty damn different. I mean, um, Saturn is about control, restriction, slowing you down, um, it's a malefic planet. It's not, I mean, it's all about long-term um, growth and evolution, but like diff- in a difficult way where you're kind of bound by time and bound through Saturn in general, where your Uranus is like Prometheus. It's, it's like the spark, the explosion, the rebel um, that wants nothing but independence. And that's a paradox. Those, t- the fact that today we don't, <laughs> we don't know if the ruler of Aquarius is tyrannical Saturn or rebellious Uranus, and even just the sign Aquarius, like um, people think it's a water sign, but it's an air sign. So that's kind of a contradiction. It shows a man pouring a vase of water when in the ancient world being a water bearer was a female responsibility. So it's this like quirky, strange, fixed air energy that is very paradoxical. So that's something we just have to get used to that we're going to be living amongst all these paradoxes for for the next aeon or whatever. But, um, and I'm not saying the age of Aquarius is like going to start, during the great conjunction, but it is significant. It is a significant um, milestone on the way there. But, um, and, and to bring it back to Saturn and Uranus, right after the great conjunction happens on this, on the winter solstice, this next December, once Saturn is in that sign, Saturn is going to square off with Aquarius or I'm sorry, it's, Saturn in Aquarius is going to square off with Uranus and Taurus. So like, it's kind of like, yeah, we're, we're entering this new phase, which is a technically a 200 year long count kind of cycle of these conjunctions that happen every 20 years. But then right when Saturn gets into that zone with Jupiter, they're both going to square off with Uranus in the earth sign of Taurus. And when I first learned about that last, like during the quarantine and stuff, I mean, first of all, we did get a taste of Saturn and Aquarius last spring. And that's really when everything was on zoom, everything was virtual. People acted like they could just do things digitally and it would be equally as valuable as doing them in person in the flesh. And it, it was, that period, you know, in this spring was when the idea of social distancing came 
about. And I just have the sense that in 2021, that Uranian energy is going to really clash with the Saturnian control that is taking place in Aquarius. So if it's like this tech control thing um, in an air sign of technology and information and data, and in this area of technology and information and data, Saturn, the tyrant, is going to try to control and bind everything in that zone where the revolutionary spirit of Uranus is in an earth sign, Taurus. So I'm picturing this as, and the the Uranus and Taurus thing is like an eight-year mini era in itself. So even after it stops squaring with Saturn, Uranus passing through the sign of Taurus is this like green, earthy, revolutionary spirit. So I'm seeing that 2021 as being like the clampdown in the digital sphere being challenged by this earth-based revolutionary spirit, which I think is going to be people like being off the grid kind of like, I don't, I don't know if it's literally off the grid, but people that are more focused on earth and on um, physical, their physical life that has sovereignty versus this digital life, which is completely um, tyrannical under the forces of Saturn. And they're going to square throughout the year and, these squares aren't fun to deal with when they're the far out planets. I mean, it takes Saturn like three years almost to move through each sign. And it takes Uranus like eight years when they finally like align, there are big, big things that happen in the world. So, so yeah, 2021 I'm seeing as um, some kind of clash between the technocrats and these off the grid (laughs) earth based rebels somehow so yeah well it seems like if i was writing the movie and i wanted it to make sense i would be like okay this is what happens next in the movie you have all these people that want their freedom so they realize that the key to doing that is to return to earth-based things and they do it in a it's not just an earth sign it's taurus which means it's like I'm fucking determined. I'm doing this. Like uh, mm-hmm. you won't stop me from doing this. And I, uh, that's where I, I don't know how or where I'm going to start, but that's, that's my, that's what my 2021 looks like. I'm quitting my job. If I have to like not have the house I live in anymore, I'm not going to have the house anymore. If I have to go live on a friend's farm and like, I don't know, <laughs> use internet cafes or like park outside of a, who knows what I'm going to have to do. But like the, I'm ready to rebel big time. Like I'm ready to give up the, give up the false survival drip feed of money of a, of a regular gig as good as, I mean, and I have it good with my daily gig compared to some people work for my parents. I, I make enough to be comfortable and eat healthy food and like, man, so all this is scary stuff to, to jump out of. But I think the key to understanding the Saturn dynamic is always going to be that as the boundary setter, as the restrictor, constrictor, if you will, what Saturn contracts things. <laughs> so if you don't want to be in a contract with Saturn where you're getting the losing end of the deal, then you have to make, the, you have to write your own contracts. That is, you have to set your own boundaries. I think that disciplinarian aspect of Saturn 
grants. I mean, I'm not saying that literally there's some like, I am Saturn and I am granting you this, but like that part of ourself grants us the feeling of empowerment and the feeling of freedom, because that's actually what we're missing. The whole time we've always had the ability to choose anything we, we want. That's the real trip. Like we never didn't have that. But whenever we are good at setting our own boundaries and creating our own containers for our energy that's going to out like reward us back, like working with the earth, we're putting our energy into a container that's going to multiply that energy and return it to us later. But it's going to take discipline. It's going to require like you might not be able to do something else if you're going to have a garden. I learned that when I've tried to have a garden and tried to do other things, the garden would go to the wayside. But I think this is like the key uh, if you, we want to be that Uranian Taurus, return to the earth, stand our ground, no vaccine for me, please. That that type of spirit in the next upcoming year, we're going to have to be our own disciplinarian or we're going to get, uh, you know, we're going to get the belt from from the external disciplinarians. I really think, I mean, they're, I hear it right now. Like when I see what's going on with uh you know, Biden being elected by the media, obviously he hasn't been actually elected, but the media has elected him. Uh, that to me, that sounds like when like some drunk dad has got, takes off his belt and he's just snapping it, snapping it. And he's just like, <laughs> you know, it's coming. That's, <laughs> that's really what it feels like. Uh, when I see these, these creeps, uh, you know, pop up in my news feeds and stuff, or if I'm somewhere where there's a TV on in the background and I'm just like, man, this is the, this is the reality funnel that most people are, are keyed into. So, yeah, that, I really like this idea of this squaring. I didn't know about this. And it actually kind of gives me some hope <laughs> that that's where that, that rebellious part of ourself is going to be rooting itself in the upcoming, you know, cosmic configuration of fractal energy that we are a part of in this big soup. Yeah, it's... Um it's crazy to think about um, even just with Uranus and Taurus and, and this is just my interpretation. I'm literally just kind of like speculating, but uh, if Uranus and Taurus does mean sort of like an earth-based off the grid type rebellion where you gain your own sovereignty of your food, your money systems, because Taurus is related to money. Um, you know, if it was like, if it was Saturn in Taurus, it would be all these constrictions on money and food and all these things. But this is Uranus in Taurus for eight years. And that's um, revolutionizing the way we think about it and dismantling the systems, the Saturnian systems, really. And, you know, with, with the square happening between Taurus, you know, the Uranus and Taurus and the Saturn in Aquarius, um, yeah, like it's you're gonna have to think like if you are that much of a rebel where you don't take the shot or whatever, well then maybe you can't um, shop at a grocery anymore. Maybe that you won't be able to travel abroad. There are gonna be more restrictions, and then it's gonna be like okay, well if you're doing this Taurus Uranian Uranian rebel life, you're gonna have to think about how you manage physical resources. You're going to have to think about land and, you know, transportation or energy or money or food or anything. So that's a challenge, but 
the norm is to be in this gridlocked, you know, big, big agro food industry where um, we go to grocery stores and we just live a normal life. Well, if, if you're, if you're excluded from society because you won't take a vaccine, you're going to have to <laughs> learn how to feed yourself and stay, keep your body nourished and stay alive. And um, it, who knows if it's going to play out that way with the astrology, but the general themes are revolution in the earth space of Taurus and constriction in the techno collectivist space of Aquarius and the planets that are positioned in those areas make a 90 degree square to each other and clash. So we cannot, and, and it has that, I mean, the Mars retrograde and stationing direct definitely had these like civil war vibes, these war vibes and Mars still hasn't made its final squares with Jupiter, Pluto and Saturn. Um, and it won't leave Aries until January, I think. So there's like room for conflict. And then, but I think in 2021, there's going to be room for revolution or um, rebellion. And I don't, who knows if that's going to be pretty or not, because there's been bad revolutions in the past. But if we focus on the Taurus theme of, of the, the space that's housing the revolution and the Aquarian space, as the space that's under tyrannical control and structurizing by Saturn um, and the two being at odds with each other, I'm just picturing some kind of like um, rebellious, like I'm not getting vaccinated. I'm living in a trailer off the grid and I'm going to like feed myself not using normal industrialized systems. That's pretty crazy to think about, but I mean, if they try to force vaccines on people, that's kind of what's going to happen for those of us that won't comply. So, it, the, the more I think about this, actually, kind of sounds good, man. Like, obviously, I don't want a bunch of sheeple to get their DNA altered and become patented products owned by Monsanto. Which is gonna, I mean, that's <laughs> what's on the table. Let's be honest. Yeah, if, you, <clears throat> if they modify your DNA and they own the patent to that modification, they own your DNA. Isn't that weird? I mean, yeah. obviously they can't own that in reality, but on paper, they, you know, the they's own a lot of shit. And we don't own anything on paper, even the houses that we buy. So, okay, so with this idea of revolution and rebellion, let's hopefully just intend, like, I think it could be all really good. But let's intend that the real rebellion isn't like a fight. You know, we can't kill the government at the end of the day. That's not really an option, nor does it sound like it would be a good solution. But if if this was like a, a hill that, that people are willing to die on, the the jab, if you will, as they call it in England, then maybe 100,000, maybe a million people in this country decide they're not going to get it even if that means they can't buy, sell, and trade, to use the old phrases. And the big problem with volunteering your way out of this bad volunteer system into a more <laughs> reality-based volunteer system, then that the way out has always been clouded by the fact that many of us are scared of like, well, what do I do if I leave Babylon or just 
walk around the woods by myself. What am I going to do? No one's going with me. But a lot of people that were quote unquote, even normies a year or two ago are saying, there's no way I'm going to take that thing if they make it mandatory. And if the way they make it mandatory is by restricting or cutting off your ability to do commerce, maybe that's a good thing at the end of the day, because maybe that'll turn a lot of people into uh, force people to turn towards each other and say, all right, well, I can't do this alone, but you, you want out too. I want out. What are we going to do? And do this together. I mean, what 10 families can do on one acre of land is unbelievable. Like, how did we ever get tricked into not living the way that we always lived is what blows my mind. And it was a slow, gradual boiling the frog process. But I do think that we're heading towards a type of a schisming that will be a lot of frogs jumping out of the pot because they turned up the heat too fast this year. Uh, but I, I, I'm sure you might have some responses to all that. But in the next 15 minutes, I'm also curious to see if we can, if you know anything about like past great conjunctions, anything historical pattern wise that's going on. I was only able to look up one particular pattern we can talk about, but it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting next month we're going to be having, I think. Yeah. Well, so I was actually pulling up just dates of, um, the previous conjunctions because I haven't done a ton of like real like deep diving into the great conjunction concept. But I mean, I, I do know I've been following astrology long enough where literally people were talking about this like four or five years ago. Like if you can, if you know something is on its way and where you're talking about it four or five years ahead of time, it, it is significant. Um, but I, uh, so off the top of my head, one thing that's significant is, so like I, like we said earlier, we're shifting into conjunctions happening only in air signs, whereas previously they were all in earth signs. There was kind of a hiccup where we did already go into an air sign conjunction. And that happened, I think, in 1980, like around 1980 was the first time in that 200-ish year period where the conjunction did take place in an air sign. And then 20 years later, it went back to Earth. So if you can think about the shift from um, the 70s to the 80s, that's a pretty noticeable shift just in like pop culture alone um, in, in the way that like around in 19... From, 1980 to the year 2000, that weird 20-year period was like the birth of the internet. It was in the 80s, like lots of Wall Street action, lots of like synth music, kind of more of a robot vibe. And I noticed, I mean, I think of that shift a lot off the top of my head. But then around 2000, we switched back into Earth for one final, final shebang. And um, now when this next one is coming up, it's only air for the whole rest of the cycle. Um, and so if you can think about, you know, the shift from the 70s to the 80s happening around 1980, that energy shift, I mean, it's somehow going to be like that again. Um, and whatever shift happened from the 
eighties and nineties. And then from the two two thousands and 2010s going back to earth and back to sort of the, I don't know, materialism and like conquering the earth and all of that. Um, I mean, that was like, right. When, when I think of that year, 2000 and forward, I think of George Bush and sort of like the, the greed and stuff like that. But, um, it's, this next one is sort of like the, the big one. And, um, this is like long-term and, and when you think of the last era, it, it began around the time of like the industrial revolution. So when they talk about the great reset and all of these things, like the great, um, the fourth industrial revolution, it's kind of similar. Like the last time this, this elemental shift happened, um, was when factories began to just like ship things all over the planet (laughs) and expand and the Jupiterian expansion with the Saturnian structuring of material things and materialism. And now with the air sign, it's going to be like the same thing, except we're not having like railroad tracks and steam engines. It's going to be all like, servers and wi-fi and it's literally going to be traveling through the air you know and when you think about the industrial revolution um it it's like a a paradox thing where it's like yeah there it it expand it it was a a spike in our evolution it was like a, a big thing that changed our paradigm and it changed our lifestyles changed how we buy and sell and manufacture and have our ideas of prosperity because of these great factories and our factory workers. And that's when Marxism came forward. Like Marxism is so freaking out of date because it was made during the industrial revolutionary times when like people were being exploited by factories, but that's not how things are now. And yet all these people still love Marxism communism but in this digital age i mean you you already hear about it it's like you're gonna get ubi and your like fed coins that you get from your ubi you can only spend on certain things you can't save or invest with that money you just have to be sort of fed it and um so yeah it's gonna be the ubi thing that's like just to throw something in here that's like the negative uh, manifestation of Uranus and Taurus, because that's like you're become having freedom in relation to your resources and it's a technological type of freedom. And then like your earth-based resources as in what you need to survive could be now just provided to you freely, but it comes with a, a catch. Like, is that the way that you're, like there's two ways that this could possibly manifest for you. This uh, Uranus in Taurus, it's either could be like on the government dependency or uh, on the power of your own ingenuity. Yeah, definitely. And Uranus in Taurus is just revolutionizing the idea of money because money falls into the Taurus. Um, so yeah, it's, it's money and food are like two big things with, Taurus and like how we feed ourselves and how we manage our resources 
when they're revolutionized like that, um, I, I can't help think, but think of like Bitcoin and blockchain and stuff like that. And like I said, I feel like the Aquarian stuff is imminent. <laughs> like there's not, there's nothing we can really do to escape it. The sky is telling us this is our period in time. So yeah, I think if you, if you are trying to fight the powers that be, um, you shouldn't, I, th- I think, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not an expert in cryptocurrency or uh, blockchain things or anything like that, or like 3D printing, but as long as it can be independent and sovereign, I think the, the goals of Aquarius with like um, humanitarian goals or collectivist ideals I think it can be possible, but you have to focus on that like Uranian individualistic side of Aquarius versus the Saturnian, like rigid, commie style Aquarius. <laughs> and it, it's a weird, it's just weird that this is, I just never would have thought when I was like a teenager, well, when you're in your early 30s, you're going to be speaking out against communism. In a mm-hmm. in a journalistic fashion, I'll just be like, "What? Well, I don't care about that." <laughs> another thing too that doesn't have anything to do with astrology. I don't know if you ever heard of the idea of like the fourth turning. It's like it was. There was a book that came out in the '90s, and I listened to it on audiobook. But it's it made the case that um, we go through cycles in civilization of like. Um, spring summer fall winter and it's a generational thing and this author was saying like the millennials will be in a world war three situation because that's like the winter by the time they're adults that's like the winter phase so they make the argument that the last winter was like during world war ii um and you know after winter comes spring and the the children of the spring are always really creative and spiritual. So that was like the boomer hippie people. Um, and then fall was in like the eighties and nineties and early two thousands. And that's when everything is just in a decline. Like it's not horrible, but it's on the way towards winter and everything is crumbling and decaying. And we've been technically in this fourth winter season of civilization I mean, the, when the guy wrote the book, he said it would be like in the 2010s and the 2020s that this stuff would happen. But I think it really got vamped up more recently. So I think it is sort of in, like natural for civilization to kind of go through these phases. And, and they always say, too, like, you know, the boomers are an example. It's like, um, I forget how they phrase it. It's like weak men or weak man, men create bad societies and bad society. I'm stumbling over my words right now. It's like uh, strong men create good times. Yes. Good times create weak men, weak men create bad, times. bad times. And it just is like, I don't know. I, I'm probably getting it wrong too, but it's something like that. I mean, that's like the breath. It's a, it's part of the heartbeat of this fractal we're in that things are always on a, a sine wave, a rise and fall. And, yeah, the thing about winter is if you didn't prepare, you could die. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't want to scare people by saying that, but um, we're getting close to the wrap up. So we're going to carry over some of these ideas into hour two for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I'll go ahead and like say the weird thing that I found about this conjunction stuff was that apparently every year that there's been a great conjunction that was an election year, except with one exception, which was 2000, which is interesting because we, you were just talking about it, but apparently every time there was an election year, like, there would be like grievous harm or assassination done to the president that got elected that year. I'm not saying I think that would happen to Biden, but I mean, he does look like he could just die or like walk in front of a bus or something on accident. I mean, he doesn't doesn't look like he's doing too great. Um, so plus the anyone that wanted to foment more division with this WCW politics would. I mean, in the assassination card, they haven't played that one in a while. I mean, either side that could if that happened to either side, the other side would or they would, their side would get pretty radical over it. So I'm not trying to spread doom and gloom and fear or anything, but it's just, that was a weird pattern I saw was that, uh, you know, like Reagan elected in 80, shot in 81, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't necessarily happen to them that year. It was just, uh, for some reason, that's what came up whenever I did a five-minute Google research on historical yeah, patterns and great conjunctions. I remember learning about that in, like, junior high history they i I remember it as um they were talking about how there was like a curse on the president that if you were born in a year that ends in a zero or not born if you were um elected in a year that ends in a zero that you would be assassinated i think reagan maybe broke the curse they said but it's still unclear whether it's really broken, but it is interesting that that aligns with those like 20 year conjunctions. Yeah. But okay. We got a minute and a half in the first hour. I mean, it's not strict, but let's go ahead and tell people where they can find you, you know, take your time. Of course, tell them what cosmic keys even is and like, you know, how, how they can connect with you. And thanks for this fun first hour too. It's been awesome. Yeah. Thanks. It's, it's always fun to sort of sort these ideas out and, um, to answer that question, um, cosmic keys was a, is, but it was a podcast started by me and my co-host Scarlett Ravenswood actually on the winter solstice of 2018. So this grand conjunction happens on the second birthday of the show. Scarlett, uh, left the show this past summer. We started it when we both lived in Chicago And I moved to Colorado and then she moved to Dallas. We're both doing different things and to maintain it remotely was pretty difficult. So then now it's just a solo show. And I've been doing the solo episodes um, since about September. And I do cover astrology in every intro with like a little uh, forecast for the week ahead. That is if the episodes are released on time. But uh, and yeah, I, the subject matter is it's kind of similar to in, Interverse. I mean, it's kind of just whatever is interesting and but it what I consider interesting is usually in the realms of like spirituality, consciousness, the paranormal, the occult or conspiracies. <laughs> so that's kind of what I've been talking about lately um and it's it's been interesting keeping the show going in this 
I call it the 2.0 version of the show because, you know, it used to be a show with two hosts, a guy and a girl. I would do the astrology. Scarlett would do the tarot. Mostly talked only about spiritual, woo-woo, witchier, all things. And now that it's just like my show, it sticks to the roots of that, but it's kind of more open-ended at this point. So if you want to um, listen, you can go to any podcast player you can find Cosmic Keys. And um, I do do readings that you can book on our website, CosmicKeysPodcast.com. And um, on Instagram, I'm at Cosmic underscore Keys underscore podcast. Twitter is at Cosmic Keys 777. And that's about it, I think. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll wrap this up. The uh, recording started to get a little choppy right there, but I'm, I think they could still basically make it all out. I could. And go follow Dan. Like, like you said, man, it's a lot similar to Interverse. I guess that's why we're both on the fringe.fm in the fringe of <laughs> conversation. I, yeah, topics. and I should make a comment on that. Um, I Well, the show was usually released on every Sunday night or Monday, and the fringe was playing us every... Monday evening. Then when the show became one po- or became 2.0, I kind of released them not on a regular schedule like that. So we're, I, I think I'm, st- I'm, I still am totally all about the fringe FM love the fringe. Um, but I don't know if it's been released <laughs> as of late, just because of that change. I'll be honest. I don't even know if my show's ever aired on it. <laughs> I think, I've, on I think I've seen you. I think I've seen you and the fringe because i like the fringe fm i listen to lighting the void live a lot um and uh it is a great channel but just with like the wild and crazy scheduling problems of podcasting right now when you have <laughs> your own life that you're living i haven't just been i haven't totally released it every monday on time so that the fringe can play it on monday night but I guess no, no one holds it against you, man. It's just like the seasons thing. It's really unrealistic yeah. to think you can do the same thing week in and week out with no, you know, without changing it up. Like, yeah, uh, I, I, I was uh, 10 days between episodes and then two came out within three days of each other. That's just like, I just do what I can. <laughs> I know you yeah. do too. And we, we need, we need your support out there. So you can also support Dan on Patreon. Uh, and I think you should. Yeah, as I was telling Chance, when Scarlett left the show, so did a lot of my patrons. So my Patreon is a little bit um, empty at the moment. So there's plenty of room if you do want to support me on Patreon because it is helpful. I mean, you're these these things are they take a lot. Podcasting is a dedicated art, and um, and if me and you were pretty girls, we would have so many followers, right? Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm like a bum in the dark, in the glow of this laptop in my room, drinking a beer. But um, I promise it's uh, it's awesome to be a patron on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it is. Put your energy into good things, people. All right. We'll wrap up the first hour and catch everyone uh, on the second who's in plus. And thanks, dude. Yeah. Thank you, Chance. All right. All right. Here we go. We are at the end of the show. Sort of the end. I mean, I think I'm probably going to go on for a minute. (laughs) 
<laughs> this was a lot of explosive topics. And I mean, we weren't explosive, me and Dan, but these ideas, especially when you start questioning someone's ideology on the left or the right, it gets pretty hairy. So I want to thank Dan for just kind of fearlessly expressing what he thinks. And I love how he's shifted and evolved this year in particular in what he's doing on Cosmic Keys and now as a person. We talked about in the Plus Extension, his um, personal story of getting out of Chicago, why he needed to do that, what that was like. <laughs> Got some, you know, a lot of talk about what rock bottom does for us, not against us, what it does for us. And uh, we could probably all relate to that at some point in our life. But yeah, I hope we didn't offend anybody in the first hour by talking about leftism as being the more kind of the more psycho thing right now in the world, because it's not like everybody in the world that considers himself on the left or liberal or Democrat or you name your party. These are all just titles. They're not who you are. They're not who anyone is. You can act as a Democrat or act as a Republican, but you can't be that. It's a noun. But I denounce all of these titles personally because all I see is the same bird of tyranny with two wings and it just flaps them one at a time. Like, okay, now we're letting, now we're going to do tyranny with the flavor of leftism. And now we're going to do tyranny with the flavor of rightism. <laughs> it's bizarre. But I think that if you're at this point, then you heard enough of the conversation to know we're not trying to throw shade at the regular average person. We're looking at these things as institutional leviathans that are devouring the time, energy, and attention of all these people and funneling it into more and more divisive and controversial topics. Controversy, that's an interesting word to talk about on interverse. What's a controverse? <laughs> Contra is against, you know, opposing, and verse is like a song or words. So if you try to play two songs that don't harmonize at the same time, you're going to get controversy. It's going to be dissonance. And that's where, that is where this whole political situation is right now. I think we talked enough about that. I'm going to stop on that, but at least about the election side of things, I am going to talk about more of uh, what, what this big conjunction 2021 year is going to look like post conjunction when we move into this new air-based reality, if you will. And the idea of the Great Reset, I find that really interesting. I'm going to get into the Great Reset in a minute. Um, but first, I want to tell you more about PLUS, the extended version of this episode that you can get for a mere $5 per month. I mean, I would rather that you stayed on, but you can just do it for one month if you really just want to hear a few. I'm cool with that. But I, I need your shekels, people. <laughs> I don't need them. Uh, everything always works out. There's always enough money, but sometimes there's enough money because people like you threw me some money. So I'd really appreciate it. I think you get something good in return. The second hour was great in this conversation as usual. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash universe to do that. And Dan's got a Patreon too. So if you've got money to throw around, help out Mr. Dan Shukas as well, because his podcast is great. And he's also... <laughs> starving artist archetype. <laughs> I don't think he's starving. He seems like he's doing great. But uh, we talked about him plus on top of the whole story of Dan getting out of Chicago. We discussed big cities and what how ugly things are able to get whenever that many people swarm, if you will. 
We talked about the astrology of 2021 with some, I wouldn't say predictions, but some conjecturing about what may come to pass, or at least the flavor of what will be coming, will be like. Although I think there's a lot of signs out there to tell us exactly what 2021 and beyond is going to look like, at least on the side of society and the way that technology is moving. Speaking of technology, we talked about terraforming both the earth and our bodies, kind of involuntary terraforming that's going on right now. And what really blew my mind was thinking about and opening up this idea that if our if the earth is being terraformed, but we're a fractal hologram of the earth and of the entire cosmos, then our bodies have to become terraformed. And terraforming, if that's like a new word for you, it just means like terrain modification. Terra, which is earth, and forming, which is, you know, putting it into a form or a shape. But the thing about nature, about terra, is it's actually kind of formless when you think about it. When I, To go back to this idea of you're not a noun, you're not a status, you're not a name or a description or a title, you're a verb. And that's what nature is too. Nature may appear to have form, but that's a temporary aspect of nature. What is eternal in nature is kind of the, sh the change of it. <laughs> I mean, overall, as a whole, it remains unified and unchanging. And that's what you call God, the unchanging God. But on the microcosm level, if you look at any one little piece of the fractal, it's constantly changing. But what forces are bringing about those changes and how much does human artifice come into play there? And like I was getting into there, if uh, we are terraforming the earth itself or <laughs> radically changing our bodies in this transhuman way, uh, there's fractal repercussions. And I don't know what we're going to be experiencing because of all this stuff. I mean, you just can't throw a spanner in the works of a perfectly balanced system like nature and expect because expect you're going to be okay because it's your nature. <laughs> If we don't know what we don't know what we're doing, <laughs> I don't want to like make people scared of transhumanism. What's happening is what's happening. We got to learn to live with it. But I think we did a great job of explaining how the age of Aquarius has two different flavors of freedom: freedom from responsibility or total freedom through 100% personal responsibility, which is great. And um, also, we talked about so much more in the plus extension. So I, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but. He, Dan talked about using magic to open the road, <laughs> road opening magic, which is kind of cool to go from rock bottom, which is what we were talking about to new opportunities. I think the roads are going to open either way, whether or not you do ceremonial magic, but the best thing that you can do with magic, which is just another form of art or language is to change your mind about something, change how you feel about something. That's all you can really do. That's like a healthy form of what you call magic. <laughs> Not to influence other people, but yourself to just like draw your heart and mind closer towards your spirit's true intention and, you know, go without fear. <laughs> so there was so much more. Plus, he went 15 minutes extra with me. We did that uh, accidentally. So enjoy that little bonus 15 minutes. And um, I want to talk about the Great Reset a little more. I want to do something a little different. To try to make sense of the Great Reset, it is a phrase being bandied about by the financial elite and like the types of super banker, weird James Bond villain guys that are seemingly all ready to go with big plans for how to deal with this COVID thing as if it was already prepared and now they just, they set the table and now they're serving us dinner. <laughs> Nasty GMO dinner. <laughs> Uh, but 
I'm going to do something a little different and play a clip from another show here in the outro. Don't do that very often, but I think this just is so good to let it speak for itself. I pulled this out of uh, from CorbettReport.com, but it's actually an interview that James Corbett was uh, being interviewed on Dell Bigtree's The High Wire. Dell Bigtree is an interesting cat. He started out pretty vanilla, but over the years, he's getting more and more radicalized <laughs> in a good way. His whole thing was vaxxed in a documentary where he's just been like pounding the pavement and making so much content to just keep questioning and keep pointing out the flaws in this entire vaccine idea and to just like let people make their own decision about it. He doesn't even say don't get him. He's just like, make your own decision, but you need to know what's up. So anyway, Dell's a cool guy. He got kicked off of YouTube recently by the censors and he had a huge channel. Ridiculous, of course. Uh, martyr for the cause, if you will. I'm still hanging in there on YouTube somehow. And speaking of YouTube, when I play this clip, if you happen to be watching the video version of the show that's on YouTube or Facebook video, BitChute and brand new tube, those are kind of the only places I'm putting up the videos right now. And Patreon, if you're a plus member, you get a video version of the whole two plus hour show. So that's neat. And yeah, that being said, if you are watching the video or you want to go hop onto it, you'll see my face. I actually put myself out there in videos now. I've been doing it for a while. Just want to remind you, if you like that, I get that the content's audio based and that's how I listen to most things, but I make some cool art to go with the videos. <laughs> Check it out if you want. So I'm going to play this clip and uh, the other yeah, video version of the show will actually see the clip, which is neato. I'm going to play this clip. It's going to be a couple minutes, Corbett and Dell talking about this great reset thing. And to introduce the clip, they are discussing a guy named Klaus Schwab. Klaus? <laughs> anyway, Klaus Schwab, he's a, an economic theoretician or some kind of black magician, sorcerer. He wears really weird, creepy secret society robes. There's pictures of him out there doing that. But he wrote a book called COVID-19, The Great Reset. Conveniently, this whole book was just like wrapped up and done and delivered to the world Midway through the year, we hadn't even been in this COVID fantasy land very long. That goes back to my point that, hmm, maybe somebody knew something about what was about to happen. I don't know. But anyway, Klaus is a guy that's a proponent of this great reset. The great reset is the idea that we need to like restructure the entire economy of every country and make it all part of one larger system that has top-down control from, I don't know who yet is supposed to be the one in control. <laughs> I guess the bank, I don't know. I, I can't say that I'm like perfectly knowledgeable about all this. I just want you to know this is a real thing. Uh, the great reset idea, it's aligning with the sky clock, the great conjunction, the Aquarian age, whatever. These big shifts that are happening, epochal shifts that we're experiencing right now on earth. There are always going to be powerful authority figures ready to take advantage of any good crisis and maybe even set it up for themselves. If you got billions and trillions of dollars, is it? It's beyond our imagining what someone could do with that and how that could manipulate the levers and gears of the social structure of this here spaceship Earth. Not really a spaceship, just a phrase. Dojo Earth. That's what James True calls it. I like that. But holy crap, I'm really going on. I think I explained the Great Reset enough. Just look into it for yourself. It's wild stuff to think that um, without, with or without the consent of the governed, government is going to be doing a whole lot of Bigger, better, newer, stronger, tighter governing on everything. So here we go. Here's the clip with with uh, Corbett and Dell. 
and guys, Corbett is the man. You should be, if you want like real news, follow the Corbett report. Really good stuff. Um, such good journalism. I mean, I wish I, like, I feel like I could get my mom to, to watch Corbett report and actually be like, yeah, this, I understand this guy's putting it all together well, but you, if I could actually get her to watch the video, no offense, mom, if you're listening, I just use you as an example. Lots of people I can't get to watch things or listen to things that they maybe should know. <laughs> There's a lot of distractions. Okay. Switching over to this clip. He says the spread of infectious diseases has a unique ability to fuel fear, anxiety, and mass hysteria. In so doing, as we have seen, it also challenges our social cohesion and collective capacity to manage a crisis. Epidemics are by nature divisive and traumatizing. And if you go on in that passage, he talks about families, friends and neighbors being pitted against each other and looking for some sort of solution. Well, don't worry, the World Economic Forum and their cronies have the solution for you and they're calling it the Great Reset. I think that the World Economic Forum is, and Klaus Schwab in particular, are positioning themselves to be the, uh, the central uh, organizing body for this group of concepts that are being uh, sold to the public under this great uh, reset title. But that doesn't mean I think that they are pulling all the strings. This isn't the sort of conspiracy that people like to deride when they talk about conspiracy theories of uh, a bunch of men in a smoky, shadowy room making secretive plans. I think this is, again, this is out in the open. And it's because the convergence of a lot of different people who hold the same ideology essentially are agreeing on the the main aspects of the way to better consolidate global control over the economy and thus the people of the world and again i think this covid-19 crisis is just the perfect cover for that there's a video that um, i've seen from the world economic forum of klaus schwab let's play that really quickly and take a look at this it is obvious that behind the midst of the most severe crisis the world has experienced since World War II. 75 years ago, countries and people came together to shape the post-war global order, which brought us decades of peace, increased global cooperation and prosperity to hundreds of millions of people around the world. The COVID-19 crisis has shown us that our old systems are not fit anymore for the 21st century. It has laid bare the fundamental lack of social cohesion, fairness, inclusion, and equality. Now is the historical moment, the time, not only to fight severe virus, but to shape the system for the need for the post-corona era. We have a choice to remain passive, which would lead to, an, to the amplification of many of the trends we see today. Polarization, nationalism, racism, and ultimately increased social unrest and conflicts. But we have another choice. We can build a new social contract, particularly integrating the next generation. We can change our behavior to be in harmony with nature again. And we can make sure that the technologies of the fourth industrial revolution are best utilized to provide us with better lives. In short, we need a great reset. I mean, that guy, when you see a video like that, 
it 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 really is like a character out of James Bond, as as I I know you've referenced. I mean, right? Isn't it like a character out of James Bond? Uh, if you're interested in more of that, their conversation was awesome. So find that on the High Wire or on Corbett Report. But I wanted to play that because a lot of the stuff he's saying there, if you don't know how to decipher it, you're like, oh, I mean, I guess that sounds good. There are all these negative trends that the world has been going through. And that if we don't do something now while we have the opportunity because everything's shut down, you know, those trends could get worse. And, you know, we need to protect Mother Nature and all that. Well, let me tell you that those guys, like this Klaus Schwab guy, he has nothing to do with protecting Mother Nature. In fact, when he says we have a choice between more racism, more blah, 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 all negative, bad things, we have a choice between that or a great reset. I'm telling you, that's a veiled threat. It's not even very veiled. It's not that he's saying that we're going to, inevitably have those problems. What he's saying is, me and my people will make sure that those problems continue if you don't forge a new social contract. The devil only works through contract. Let me tell you that. That's the only way it exists. That's the only way Satan exists, getting you to contract. <laughs> Just think about that word. <clears throat> You're contracting. And I think we should be expanding. And ah. Uh, you know, the environmental side, this goes back to the whole thing about how a lot of people that identify with the left have really good intentions. And they're not like the psychos that I was talking about that I run into online that freak out about crazy stuff and project their own vitriol and what they don't like about themselves onto others. Obviously, people on the right do that, too. Just to be fair, just don't be a polarized individual and you'll be better off. But the, uh, one of the good intentions behind people in the left, and by the way, people on the right too, even though leftists don't want to believe it, people on both sides, actually regular people want the world to not be fucking annihilated by pollution and all the stuff that humans are currently doing. Actually, nobody wants that deep down. I mean, maybe some greedy people, a, a small percentage are like, fuck it. But I, I know plenty of people, Republican or Democrat, that don't think that we should be continually polluting the world. Are they doing a lot about it in their daily life? Who really is? Not many of us are, regardless of what side of the political wrestling match aisle that we might decide that we stand on. And so when a guy like Klaus tells us that we got to harmonize, get in harmony with Mother Nature, let me tell you what, he would have done very different things up to this point and people like him if that was actually the goal. And because this is the World Economic Forum we're talking about. They're a big part of this entire debt, slavery, fiat currency system that's around the world. This extremely ridiculous, super Saturnian, satanic system. And why I call it that is because Satan, satanic, Satan's not a real guy. Just let me get that out there. The idea of Satan is anything adversarial to nature or the universe. God is the totality of all reality and self-existence. Satan is the opposite of that, anti-reality, non-existence. So what is debt-based money? Our money system, every dollar that's printed, there is debt attached to it. There's never enough money created to ever pay off all the money that's owed in the system. So we have musical chairs where there's never enough for everyone to have a place to sit at the table. 
and there's guaranteed poverty. And you exacerbate that by things like compounding interest, where if you've got millions of dollars and you just leave it in the bank, you'll make millions of dollars off of it over time. You just free money forever, perpetually. And then on the other hand, the people that have no money, they get loans at interest, which is usury, which is where you didn't have, you needed $50, you didn't have it. So you're going to pay someone $75 to get $50. And we're all doing this all the time because, well, it's, it's easy. I'll make that money later. And I just need this house now. I just need this car now. I'm in a house with a mortgage right now. I am. But this debt-based paradigm is an obvious anti-nature thing because if there's always a growing debt and then productivity is constantly motivated by the need to pay off your debts, which means we will produce crap to sell that has no value and we'll just continually in an infinite growth paradigm because the death, the debt, death, same thing, the debt paradigm is infinite. That means that the the economic paradigm of growth is also attempting to be infinite in a finite place, meaning that there's always more debt and you always need to make more money, which means you always need to produce more stuff. And it's an exponentially increasing curve. But the place where we're going to get all these resources from nature, it is what it is. It takes time to replenish itself. And we don't have time to play around like this much longer. So all that is just to explain that if guys like Klaus at the World Economic Forum actually gave two shits about saving the earth. They would completely eradicate any kind of notion of debt-based fiat currency, which by its nature is adversarial to nature. <laughs> I hope that all makes sense. I, I've been kind of on a long ramble here, but this is contraction. This is what we're seeing is the social contraction, tightening up. Uh, tight. We may all be tightening our belts in a sense lately. I have been, but that's just because I've lost a little bit of, of weight, getting myself back in shape. Hooray. Because <laughs> that's your real wealth is your health, as we discussed with Tom Barnett last week. But I want to do the opposite of this idea of contraction. I'm going to play us out with a song by LS Dream called Expand the Universe, which I think is a pretty dope track. I caught one of his live streams and it was real wild and psychedelic. You can follow LS Dream on YouTube. And I think Twitch to see that stuff. If you've been missing live music, there's a lot of good artists out there doing streams with crazy artistic visuals. And yeah, so it's out there. But I hope you guys have a great grand conjunction coming up in less than a month, man. It's kind of crazy. And I guess if this is the 5D ascension, when we cross that threshold, I'll see you all in another dimension. <laughs> but I have a feeling we're all going to be right here when we cross that threshold, but maybe we'll be able to start seeing the world with new eyes and seeing ourselves with a fresh perspective as well. As we get our heads out from underwater and back up into the air, moving from Piscean age to the age of Aquarius. And if we haven't already done that, I mean, I, I don't see these thresholds as hard and fast. I think they're a spectrum that we're constantly moving through. So I love talking to Dan. Love that you guys stuck around to the end and listened to me jibber jabber all this time i hope you give cosmic keys a follow on whatever podcast player that you like and i hope you sign up for patreon you know fun for interverse that'd be so cool i'd love that if you if you're on the fence just think like if you're telling yourself oh, i'll do it later and i'll catch up on these episodes later it's a wouldn't it be a pain in the ass if you went ahead and got plus a month from now and then you were going back to episodes you already listened to and you 
start at the halfway point where the music break is and you're like, what were they talking about? They're just jumping right back into it. Now I got to re-listen to the whole thing. Maybe that's okay. Maybe it was so good that you want to listen to the whole thing again. Sometimes people tell me they've heard the episodes uh, multiple times. The record was the Clint Richardson episode. A friend told me they listened to that like five times already, which is pretty amazing. Good news. Clint's coming back real soon. And I've been learning a lot from him. And if you've been learning a lot from him, then you've seen what I've been learning from him because some of my rhetoric has evolved to hopefully be more accurate to the real and true definitions of words as best as best as I can. But man, I'm still going 25 minutes deep on this outro. Not good. Need to be more concise or maybe you like it. I don't know. But you guys have a great Grand Conjunction. Have a great December as we're heading into it. Have a great existence. Have a great reality. Have a lot of love for yourself and others. And, you know, just keep working on it. Sifting through what is and isn't, what is and isn't healthy about our attachments and about our beliefs and behaviors. And we're all doing the thing. And I'm proud of you all. And I'm proud of, I'm even proud of me. <laughs> And uh, yeah, LS Dream is this music I'm about to play. Expand the universe. Hope you like it. Peace out. Thank you.